0: Today is Tuesday, November 21st, 2017.
1: And on this episode of the Creative Church Podcast, we talk with Mel McGowan about Plain Joe Studios, the creative spaces company he and his brother started.
0: You're listening to The Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. I'm Nick Goodner. And I'm Ross Montgomery. This week's episode is sponsored by Stock Hub. Stock Hub is the most affordable way for you to create video content. For $25 a month, you get unlimited license-free 5K, 4K, and HD stock footage. From aerials to missions to Christmas to Easter, Stock Hub has everything you need, and they are adding 1,000 plus clips each month. Stock Hub is the source For unlimited stock video, for only $25 a month, download an unlimited amount of files, no contract, and no licenses. Go to stockhub.com slash creativechurch for a special discount offer on your membership. That's S-T-O-K-H-U-B dot com slash C-R-T-V church. You know... One of the things that I love about StockUp, and I'm going to embellish a little bit on our sponsor today. One of the things that I love about StockUp versus some of the other stock footage websites on the market right now is that it's for creators. You don't have to spend thousands of dollars or even hundreds of dollars to get the clips and the footage you need. They have an absolutely brilliant product with amazing visuals and they're making it very affordable for you guys. So I love their heart for artists and I love their heart for Christian artists and even the church as well. Ross, you, you've used Stock Hub a little bit, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, a little bit. Actually, the current series that we're going to be finishing up this coming weekend, um, our trailer was made with footage from Stock Hub and we've Actually, gotten a lot of compliments on how we put it together, and it turned out really well. I'm I'm pretty happy with it.
0: Yeah, they're they're super versatile with their clips and what all you can do with them. Like we said, they're adding thousand plus new clips each month, and they're only twenty five dollars a month. So listen, that's a guys go check them out incredible price. It is. It is an incredible price. It's almost a steal. It, it, it's almost a steal. It feels like it. Yeah. Yeah. So go and check those guys out. Um.
1: It, f- it feels as scandalous as God's grace.
0: There you go. We also have a little bit of housekeeping. If you notice this week, we're airing our podcast on Tuesday. This will be a trend that we're going to be continuing for future shows. We made this editorial decision because our trending segment is a huge part of what we do. And we felt that With our podcast airing on Friday and a lot of stories becoming old news by then, we decided we're going to make an adjustment and start releasing it a little bit sooner. So now we're recording on Mondays and releasing on Tuesdays. So um, we're pretty glad to be doing that. We're learning, we're changing, we're adapting, and things are getting better and better for our Creative Church podcast. Uh, Also, I want to say a huge thank you to our Creative Church community for the response you've shown to this show and how you've embraced it. You know, we've been getting a lot of love for the Creative Church podcast. And uh, we love getting the chance to create this for you guys and start doing more of this type of stuff for Creative Church. And, of course, this show is just the beginning. So, Ross, welcome to Episode 4. Yes, Um, 4 in, (laughs) 4 in. Yes, 4, the big 4. You got any Thanksgiving plans for this week?
1: I'm just going to hang out with some friends locally here. uh, Not doing any big family stuff, but uh, hopefully it'll be a fairly low-key end of the week into the weekend. So yeah. How about yourself?
0: My parents are coming down from Nashville. So I get to, I get to spend Thanksgiving with them and we're not, we're not the type of people that really celebrate the big Thanksgiving meal. So we're just kind of, uh, I think, I think we might go to Disney um you know Hmm, imagine that one of the things yeah imagine that what do you know another another sponsor for our show is disney (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah when when you're gonna land that account
0: i'm trying every week i'm i'm (laughs) going up there and, and making talks and everything they're just not having it so um you know that's we'll probably hang out we'll do we'll probably go see the justice league have you seen the justice league yet have not yet i saw it friday um i'll probably go see it again with my parents but it was okay.
1: It wasn't. Yes, it wasn't very. I've heard just okay reviews, so it hasn't got me jazzed about it. But uh it looked like fun. It looked like a fun movie to see. So
0: yeah, it depends on your definition of fun. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was okay. You know, it's. It's not. It's not Marvel. I think the problem with the Justice League, it's either trying to be too much like Marvel or Marvels just spoiled us to, to where we could never even see another cinematic universe. So yeah. That's my hot take on the Justice
1: League movie. Um, anything else? Anything, we got any other plans this week? No, no other plans. I th- I think I gotta gotta up my grooming game because I mean, if if Blake Shelton can get man uh, people's sexiest man alive, then I'm gonna wait for my call next year. So I'm really try to pump up my hair. It means I got it. Means I got a chance if Blake can get in.
0: You might have you might have a little competition because as you know, I could also be in the running that's, for. That's
1: very man true. Life. We will. Yeah. We'll arm wrestle for it.
0: Um, Well, I I don't know what the decision making process is there, but uh, Blake, if you listen into the podcast, which we hope you are, um, congratulations.
1: Oh, no, I'm not. In no way am I trying to downsize his success, but just means I got a chance now. I am. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. I don't
0: don't think he's that brilliant, but that's just me. So
1: he's he's, well, it wasn't brilliance. It was. Well, I guess that could be part of sexiness. So we'll see.
0: <laughs> Hi, the highlight of Blake Shelton's career for me was whenever he was on The Voice.
1: That's really all I know him from. So, and I don't even watch The Voice anymore. But on that note, we'll talk about trending next. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Trending. Each week we gather a few different articles and news stories that are impacting culture, churches, and creators, and we discuss them. Here is what is Trending this week. Ross?
1: Well, um, as a lot of people have seen, the Incredibles 2 teaser trailer dropped. And the keyword there is teaser because it was only 52 seconds long and it featured Jack-Jack, who you all remember as the baby in the first Incredible movie, and uh, Mr. Incredible. Here's a clip. You have powers! Yeah, baby! (laughs) So we see that Jack-Jack is exhibiting some more powers. We saw a few at the end of The Incredibles. um, But now it's moving into more of a story around jack jack
0: from what i've read i hear that the incredibles 2 is going to pick up exactly where incredibles 1 left off which would be the story with the mole man oh yeah or the mole mm-hmm. the reason why our, this story is included in our turning segment today is because it's a it's a it's a narrative on advertisement nowadays because if you know if you noticed last week the teaser trailer was promoted as something special like the day before incredibles 2 trailer dropped the teaser dropped we got all these announcements from Disney and, you know, all the pages on Facebook that tomorrow there's a big trailer and we get to Saturday, which is when the trailer dropped. And guess what? It was 52 seconds long. Yeah. It featured Jack, Jack and Mr. Incredible. And it was kind of like, like, this is not breaking this was the not fourth worth.
1: wall with him looking at the camera and all that stuff. It was definitely made just to be a teaser. Right. And that was not, that was not. Ex- expectations Newsworthy. didn't meet reality
0: right and i you know i was expecting to watch you know a minute and 30 second long trailer for this movie that i've been waiting for for 14 15, years 16, 14 years 2004 now. I mean, the
1: incredibles came out and this one's releasing next year
0: right so this is a huge deal for a person like me who thinks that by far the incredibles is the pinnacle of storytelling from um our friends over at pixar So I I just hated that,
1: you know, they went that route with this trailer. Yeah. And part of me wondered too, if it was going to be picking up right where it left off again, it's been 14 years. There's literally kids in junior high who were born after the first one was made. It's got the timelessness where they can just pick up where they left off and continue the story, or they could even kind of do like a here's from then to now and have some kind of progression. So I'm kind of curious as to how they're going to handle all of that, I'm excited. I, I'm still excited about this
0: movie. I'm just a little disappointed with the marketing choices that they made. I last can week.
1: understand that, and you also got to think that Pixar's got that new Coco coming out currently, and so there's a little bit of competition as they're trying this almost completely different type of movie with that um, competing with this announcement for the Incredibles 2. I wonder if they kind of didn't want to overshadow the Coco release as well.
0: And they might have. That might be that might be true, but I mean. It's a Pixar movie. Yeah. Everyone's going to go see it. Pretty much.
1: I'm still going to go see it. (laughs) <laughs> so,
0: I, yeah, and yeah. we're all going to love it and we're going to cry and it's going to be it's going to be super super We're going to be
1: like, "Oh, how will they do a sequel?" and then we'll love it. Yeah, well, it'll be it'll
0: be the best experience of our life, unless it's like a Finding Dory situation and it's just awful. so Ooh,
1: you did not like Finding Dory. Okay. I'd okay. Not, I not I didn't.
0: No, okay. we can talk about that on some other okay. podcasts but uh All right. I wasn't a big fan. Okay. So, um <laughs> Ross, let me ask you this. where's the weirdest place you've watched Netflix?
1: Oh man, the weirdest place to be honest, honest. honest, I mainly keep Netflix on my TV. I did watch it when I was in line at the DMV once.
0: Well, according to a survey conducted by Netflix, the place where streaming was most popular was in the air. 44% said that they watched Netflix on airplanes. The next most common viewing location was the bus. Or 40% said they've streamed content. About 34% said they watched it in a car. And 31% said they had watched it in a train. And the one that I find particularly weird, circling back around, was 12% of viewers who said that they watched Netflix in a public restroom. So, Ross, if you watched it in the DMV, that's essentially like watching a public restroom. <laughs> because that's how disgusting the DMV is. But if you ever watched Netflix in a restroom, in,
1: well, be honest. In a restroom, <laughs> Yes, like my own personal restroom, but not a public restroom.
0: That's not ridiculous. a public restroom. You don't you
1: don't watch the Netflix in a public restroom. I just I don't know what like situation you would be in where you're watching Netflix in public and then you just take the phone right on with you to the public restroom. That just sounds a little odd to me.
0: Oh no no no! It doesn't sound a little odd. That's a lot odd.
1: No, no you're right. That's a lot odd. The
0: fa- <laughs> the fact that twelve percent of people say they watch it in a public restroom. I honestly think they're trolling us because that seems ridiculous. I, I couldn't come up with a scenario in which I'd be like, you know what? I have some time to kill. I don't <laughs> want to sit out here. So let me go sit on the toilet in the public restroom. In the you know, I can only picture you're at the restroom in the Olive Garden or something. And, you know, you're sitting. I mean, there. look, if your
1: date's going that bad, then maybe you just need to go back home and watch Netflix instead of being on that date.
0: Right. That brings a whole new meaning, though, to Netflix and chill.
1: So Instagram made a big change a few weeks back, and it's now being fully rolled out to all users. And that is with its Instagram stories. Uh, Historically, Instagram only allowed photos to be uploaded from your camera roll to your story feed that were taken within the previous 24 hours. So, um, you know, we've had to kind of like strategically make sure we like re-download the photo if we want to share it beyond 24 hours. But now Instagram is allowing you to access your entire personal photo library to upload any photo you've taken from any point in time to your Instagram story feed, which is huge for content creators uh, that really need to plan their content schedule and build Instagram story graphics days, weeks, or even months out.
0: Right. And, but there is a catch though, um, for photos that have been created, you know, beyond 24 hours they will be marked by Instagram with a date caption. And we found that that can't be deleted. Um, But we did find a way around it. Um, While it can't, by that date caption can't be deleted, it can be resized. So what we've been doing is shrinking it down to almost nothing. So that's like two or three pixels and then sticking it somewhere where it's either in a black space or a white space because you can change the color on on it to black or white. And that way the date caption's hidden. So if you're a content creator and you need to post a picture that is 48 hours old or three weeks old or whatever, because you've built it, you know, months ago, then you can, all you have to do is, you know, scroll down to your camera roll, find it, select that picture, and then take that date caption, shrink it down, minimize it to where you can be seen, and then putting it in either some black or white space to where it won't be noticed. So it's kind of a little extra little tidbit for you guys today, because I thought that was really cool. You know, we at Creative Church, we do Instagram stories every week, and we u- reuse a lot of our content, a lot of our graphic. And historically, I would have to go through and regenerate those a lot of times or screenshot them to where I could actually reuse them in the Instagram story feed. But now with this change, I'm able to go and make the adjustment and just leave it in my camera roll and um, go back to it, you know, two or three weeks later, select it, minimize that date caption and uh, put it up. So next up is our interview with Mel McGowan.
1: sat down with Mel McGowan to talk about the unique blend of creative services his company Plain Joe Studios provides. Mel is a co-founder and the chief creative officer at Plain Joe. He was named one of the top 25 influencers by OC Metro Magazine and is a contributing editor to Outreach Magazine as well as an adjunct professor at CBU's College of Architecture, Visual Arts, and Design. Here's my interview with Mel McGowan. So Mel, what got you started into your creative career? Was that something you've just kind of always grew up with was creativity or was there something um, that really kind of sparked your interest into what, what you're doing now?
2: Uh, well, I, you know, probably attribute to both parents I mean, my dad worked at Disney, um, you know, shaped some of my earliest memories. Um, and my mom was definitely uh, quite an artisan and an artist um, and, um, you know, again, some weird early memories. I was actually born in Saigon, Vietnam, got out before the fall of Saigon and, uh, kind of some early memories there bombs going off in the distance. But then I remember, um, vaguely kind of coming to America. And, um, again, one of the very few earliest images I have is looking down main street, USA at, at night, looking at the twinkle lights outlining the buildings and lying out the window of Peter Pan's uh flight, you know, out the darling, uh, uh, bedroom there. And, um, Again, that kind of created some weird wiring. Um, I uh, was drawing future cities and theme parks when I was uh, 11 years old, uh, 10 years old, even. You know, my very first Boy Scout merit badge was architecture. I mean, I remember locking my brothers, including Peter, my partner, uh, into a room and uh, you know basically locking the door and and, and making him listen to like a hour and a half long pitch, basically presentation deck. On uh, you know a master plan for a theme park, uh, you know, listing every ride, show, attraction, you know, with different fonts for each of the, the lands and every every uh, name of every food and beverage uh, retail venue and attraction, um, you know, and they're they're ready to kill themselves by the time I let them out of the room. But um, anyways, it, it's kind of been fun because now we're we're all working together and collaborating at at, uh, at Plain Joseph.
1: How has that dynamic been in creating this, this big studio you guys are running?
2: Well, you know, ironically, you know, we, we all went in different directions. Um, you know, my, uh, my uh, brother Peter was uh, focused on, uh, on strategic um, use of technology uh, and, um, and communication. My brother Ed was more of a visual, graphic, uh, brand uh, guy, and, and I went to work at Disney and learned uh, what we call the art of spatial storytelling. And so in a lot of ways, those, those kind of different paths uh, kind of led to our unique practice, which uh, we call three-dimensional storytelling, um, where we actually have structured our entire teams around three studios, um, a strategic storytelling studio, which is uh, you know focused on distilling our, our uh, clients' kind of core story and identity and brand, uh, and being able to convey that graphically, um, um, from the ether through the environment, um, you know, they, they would hand it off hypothetically then to our digital storytelling studio, which, uh, would create uh, media content, uh, whether it's a simple website, whether it's an app, whether it's virtual reality or augmented reality. And then, um, you know, hypothetically, then you would have design that you can then, walk into, you know, through, uh, the art and craft of spatial storytelling or, um, you know, imagineering basically of, uh, combining, you know, all the disciplines, um, that you would think of, but then many that you wouldn't necessarily think of, um, you know, not only architecture, but, uh, again, we, we say we have artists, accountants, architects, and artisans, uh, we've got show set designers and, um, you know, master planners and and interior designers and. Um, and so, again, that that spectrum of design from kind of, um, you know, kind of just uh, distilling uh, the unique uh, character and identity of our client all the way to something that is kind of a, a, an interactive, experiential um, journey, whether it's a ride through or a walk through or a, a sit through in the case of a, you know, a sacred space uh, project. Um, it, it's been it's been fun to get to um, have that synergy, not just of my brothers, but then to, to have that, you know, kind of overflow, I guess, into this 80 person organization that, uh, uh, still growing, but, uh, we're, we're certainly having fun with the motley crew, uh, and different disciplines that we have in in house.
1: Yeah, that sounds, that sounds incredible. So what kind of, what kind of sparked that whole 3d storytelling? Like what, what started to take root and, and think that this was the direction that you wanted to go with, you know, obviously storytelling in in a spatial, uh, environment like that, that sometimes doesn't seem like necessarily something would people wouldn't put together all the time, but it affects us nearly every day and almost everywhere, you know, we go with, with stores and whatnot, but what kind of sparked that for you that you wanted to do that with excellence?
2: Well, um, I'd like to say it was my vision, my idea, you know, I, you know, I'd like to believe it's a God inspired, uh, seed, but, the reality is I was at Disney and I was more than content to retire there and to, uh, you know, uh, you know, I was having a blast doing, uh, you know, some pretty good scale projects, including kind of uh, being part of the team that renewed the, the city of Anaheim and, and cleaned up the two square miles surrounding the original Disneyland park and, and filling in a parking lot, uh, and putting up paradise in a parking lot and putting up, uh, you know, that, that golden state of mind of California adventure, um, uh, in downtown Disney in the Grand Californian hotel. Um, and, you know, really understanding the art and craft of distilling the, the DNA of a people in a place, you know, that's kind of what we had a chance to do with the California, um, idea or, or as a big idea there, um, do a park that really couldn't be done anywhere else, but really, um, the roots of it, I think probably relate to the roots of, um, your group and, and your Instagram and, and even the podcast, which was really a kind of a holy discontent with, um, how the church was uh doing a poor job of communicating the story of uh of, of kind of the gospel and Jesus and his hope and message uh we we felt collectively that the church had been uh, at some point in time a, a leader in culture and art and creativity and we had we had in the past um mirrored uh kind of uh the image of God a little better you know we we feel like God introduced himself as an artist and an architect when he said in the beginning he created and that all of us are called to, to be image bearers and to reflect uh, the image of that supreme artist and architect. And so, you know, I, I literally, I, I, I can trace the roots back to a uh, kind of a, a meal at Coco's <laughs> where I sat down with my brother, Peter McGowan, uh, and a, a third partner, a founding partner named Mike Foster, um, who went on to start things like triplexchurch.com the number one Christian porn site people of a second chance and, uh, you know, lots of, lots of great parachurch media based, uh, ministries, quite a personality in his own right. And again, another guy that we, you know, we went to high school youth group together and we were kind of Corona homeboys. Um, he worked for me at Disney at one point even, but again, the three of us had, you know, gone to school, study different things. Mike had, had served some time and, you know, served time, uh, on staff at a church, uh, as kind of a, you know, chief communications officer, uh, and, uh, you know, again, Pete, my brother, Peter was in the corporate sector, but again, we, we felt like even though we had, you know, seemingly different disciplines, um, you know, again, for me with, uh, kind of that art of imagineering and creating spaces that people could enter into story, um, and, uh, with Mike, with branding and communication and marketing strategy and Peter, in terms of technology, uh, we, we, we felt like collectively, it's one of those things where. One plus one plus one could equal more than just three. Um, we, we really felt that, uh, you know, you could, one plus one plus one could probably equal four or five, maybe. <laughs> we really could help the church kind of not just raise the bar, but launch the bar and, and think outside the box. Um, and because we, you know, we were part of a movement, uh, we were working with Judd Wilhite back in the day of trying to start up a, a kind of a next generation, um, uh, just an alternative service, really, at our, at our home church. Um, and we knew what uh, gospel could look, taste and feel like uh, I had a chance to be part of the decision counseling room, you know, backstage and to 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 to, to weekly uh, understand the power of story and, and, and life transformation. And, um, you know, once you've tasted that, there's no there's no going back. And, and, and for us, there, there's so much more significance, um, you know, being able to design around stories of transformation and to, to actually affect transformation than just getting handed some intellectual property from a corporate lawyer saying, okay, do the next, you know, Harry Potter land or do the next, you know, Marvel IP or whatever. Um, and so that, that ability to do stuff that was a little more purpose driven and, and impactful and kind of eternity changing, you know, for us was kind of that, probably a pretty typical journey from success to significance of a lot of people that thought that they found their calling in life, doing something, getting compensated really well, um, taking advantage of their unique, uh, God-given skill set and wiring. But then to, to, have, to wake up with that aha moment one day and realize that this is actually something that could be applied to, to kingdom, you know, expansion, you know, uh, kingdom building. And in our case, that's resulted in the opportunity to, to serve among our, our client base of companies and causes to have that, have the opportunity of working with probably over a thousand different ministries over the course of, uh you know, our first, uh, 16 years here. So it's been a, it's a, I call it a holy roller coaster ride (laughs) since we launched.
1: Um, yeah. If people go to your website and, and, you know, under the about us, you have a bunch of incredible values there. Um, so while you're going through this storytelling process, um, obviously with kind of that backbone and then through all the different parts of what you have going on, how do you keep, kind of those aligned and up front and center while you're doing a project, even, you know, during the most intense parts of a project?
2: Well, one of the things we're pretty passionate about is our process. I kind of have a mantra that, uh, the journey is the destination and our process is our product. Um, so it's, it's one thing to say, Hey, we've got some rock stars here and we're going to apply that geniosity to your project. And, um, you know, we're really not about that. Even, you know, the original name, the reason it's not McGowan Brothers Design or whatever was the idea that it's really not about us or our story or even our taste or design aesthetic or, you know, our ability to curate an experience or, um, you know, look, taste, or feel. It really has always been about uh, connecting our client story to the average Joe and the plain Jane out there, the widest audience possible. And, you know, that starts with the process of being uh, humble and, uh, self-confident enough to be quiet and to ask a lot of questions. We, we think of it as being kind of a, almost a cultural anthropologist before we get to be creatives and designers. Uh, we want to ask the right questions and take some really great notes. And we've actually kind of created again, a, a process that creates a foundation, um, for us to kind of, uh, uh, implement that story. And, it, you know, I, it's not some secret mystery. I mean, it really is something we talk about quite a bit, uh, just understanding the fundamentals of storytelling around what we call story circles of character, plot, and setting, um, really being able to to really dig deep into each of those dimensions of um, uh, whatever story that we're, we're trying to tell, uh, whether it's just the internal tribal DNA and culture of a, of a local ecclesia uh, church, whether it's a uh, you know, uh, a Hollywood-based intellectual property, whatever it is, we just really understand each of those fundamentals, and we've learned that when we uh, when we have really done our homework there. If you imagine a Venn diagram uh, with these three circles of character, plot, and, develop, and, and setting uh, in the in the intersect there in the middle, um, that's really where our big ideas come from that uh, end up being the internal logic that drives thousands of design decisions from uh, two-dimensional graphic design and color decisions to um, multiple disciplines, uh, you know, from interior design finishes and, and master planning flow and, um, you know, spatial sequencing and storyboarding. And and so, um, again, it, it just starts with having that foundation, uh, foundational understanding um, and a common approach to what do we mean when we say story. We're, we're pretty specific about it and how we get there, how we articulate it and then how we take the ball and run with it. And it And interestingly enough, that process, not only does it mirror some of the early uh, processes that Walt Disney brought to the table, uh, whether it's in the film industry with storyboarding, whether it's in the the, uh, three-dimensional architecture, urban design, imaginary uh, worlds of of creating the the first blue sky uh, in a a singular lost weekend, 72-hour weekend with one artist, um, it, it really is something that, We've been able to apply, whether it's designing a website, whether it's designing an entire theme park, whether it's designing, just redoing an auditorium or a stage set. Um, Interestingly enough, that, that same fundamental approach.
1: Definitely think it's fascinating on how, yeah, you can keep that whole backbone of, of the, the purpose and, and those values and, and really the big picture of that. So what's a piece of advice that's really stuck with you today? I know you said you got some mantras that you keep in mind with the team there, but is there something personally to you that you've just always had in the back of your head? That's been a piece of advice. that has been a good driver for you.
2: Um, well, you know what, I think one thing for me is the, the, the value of, of relationship. Um, you know, I've learned a long time ago that the kingdom is not built on bricks and mortar and it's not built on consultants and clients and, and, um, even, you know, the tripod of project success of, of, I call it the BS's of the project budget scope schedule, good, fast and cheap, you know, uh, to me again, the, the value of relationships is key. And, and one of the things that I think has always been a core value for us is that idea of, of valuing, uh, different, uh, giftings and skill sets and strengths and, and how we can uh, complement each other, and certainly that's true of the picture of, of the body of Christ. But but even in our organization specifically, the, the re, you know at first glance it might be like well why why don't you just be the best web designer? Why why don't you just focus on being the best set designer or attraction uh, producer? Um, you know why do you try to do so many things in house? And what we've learned is there's such a power of having a team that it has has gone through that process of forming, norming, storming, and performing. Um, and typically the way projects happen is someone has to assemble a team and they barely get past formation and uh unfortunately oftentimes they end up uh, storming in in, in 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 the design development construction industry it also often ends up in litigation and construction and uh and in court and so you know for us there's been such a huge value of having a, a synergistic operation. Um, Again, like, keep going back, like the the Renaissance crew that is the Walt Disney Company. Um, And and to be able to have a team that has gone uh, through the fire together um, and that has each other's back, has has developed that trust. Um, And again, that that you could have artists and accountants and and artisans and architects all kind of rowing in the same direction. Um, Again, just that that power of team is is really uh, something. Uh, as a leader, I've tried to kind of always harness and, and um, you know, value people that think differently than me, that, uh, you know, I would never think of hiring someone that isn't better at me at that, something and um, that could you know, really just, you know, do certain things in circles around me. And, and again, not feeling like I've got to, you know, have a bunch of mini-me's in, in, in my image or in in my mold. Um, and so I think that's something that I've found with creatives, um, you know, that a lot of times it's real comfortable to, you know, just work solo or work with people that are, you know, often like-minded or have the same taste or the same kind of unfortunate, you know, skill set. So we've, that's, I think one thing that really has uh, allowed us to enter in some different uh, arenas and, and clients and, and um, you know, levels of design that uh, otherwise we, we certainly never would have, um, you know, if we weren't willing to embrace that diversity.
1: What has been one of your most rewarding moments uh, throughout your career?
2: You know, uh, there's probably, uh, I mean, there's a handful of moments, but certainly being able to bring my kids through, uh, some of the, you know, the projects that, uh, I've been able to bring to life to, you know, from kind of a dream to dedication day, um, you know, to, to kind of see the look on their eyes as they're, um, kind of immersed and, uh, experiencing some of that stuff. Uh, but, but I gotta say, you know, to hear stories, of life transformation, uh, both on site while I'm there, or even after the fact, I mean, we've had a chance to do some pretty crazy stuff like, uh, develop design, develop a a village for victims of child sex trafficking in, um, Southeast Asia. And, you know, even today, you know, on a daily basis through social media, getting updates on the stories of these, uh, girls that, you know, were rescued from, um, being survivors of sex trafficking and now we are flourishing. I just saw a picture the other day of one of the gals that wants to be an architect, you know, and her little sketch, of her dream house and, uh, you know, stuff like that where, you know, someone's going from just surviving to truly thriving. And, and again, being a, uh, a, a more effective image bearer uh, of the King, you know, cause they're, they're his precious sons and daughters and and uh, to, to see them regain and, and um, their lives redeemed and renewed and, and to just, again, clear out the, the fog in the mirror that was kind of uh, not able to fully reflect uh, the image of the crater. Um, and again, that to me, that's, that's what great design is. It's particularly uh, great um, environmental, uh, three-dimensional spatial storytelling and architecture when you can get the junk, the distortion, the noise out of the way that that separates us um, horizontally and vertically. Um, you know, all the things that separate people um, from each other horizontally, whether it's just our, you know, to our nuclear family or to our neighbors and beyond. And then all the things that separate us vertically from the creator to creation. Um, I think, you know, a place that facilitates that connection, that's great space. So that sacred space that lifts the spirit, that inspires you, that that great cathedral that connects you with the creator, that, that overwater bungalow in Bora Bora you know where you're looking down in the blue you know ocean and you're looking at the fishies while you're getting a back rub looking at the horizon line you know you're reconnecting <laughs> with God's creation uh, certainly is a destination that lifts the spirit um, and again in, in many of our cases environments that uh, you know don't quite have those kind of views but uh, you know can be every bit as powerful as connecting people with with each other in the crater to me that's just that's what great design is it's not about winning. Uh, you know, architecture awards or Addie's or whatever, even though we've we've certainly um, gotten a few of those and plenty of those uh, in our day. To me, me, again, it's that that ability of making those connections happen and hearing those stories of of, uh, individual and community transformation that really kind of keeps us going.
1: You are obviously a big picture kind of guy. I can definitely tell. And that's, that's incredible. What's Next for you, big or small scope?
2: Well, we are uh, so excited. We've been um, marching down a path of moving beyond uh, multidisciplinary design and towards, um, again, more of a three-dimensional manifestation of uh, being able to actually create environments. Um, and so we've we've done project management for years. Uh, we have a team of uh, producers that have been able to manage different uh Disciplines and contractors, but uh, we are uh, finalizing uh, a partnership, uh, potential merging with a a pretty major player in the themed entertainment industry. Uh, It's called Storyland Studios, and um, I'll be uh, continuing my role as Chief Creative Officer. Uh, And I mean, Storyland Studios is an amazing group of people. They've they've done crazy things like fabricating the Hogwarts Express for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. They they've worked with major content uh creators from marvel and lucas and um you know you name it and um to to be able to kind of have that kind of expertise and expansion of our team is something that we're really excited about and uh, to have the artisans that they have there um to, to build um i mean literally you pull up to their their uh, their plant it's i can't even say building because it really is an entire. Uh, plant with uh you know kind of a boneyard of uh you know (laughs) space shuttles and and you know all kinds of stuff that they fabricated but you know on the corner of the building is this life-size dragon uh kind of coming up over the building it's definitely not uh not kansas anymore and uh, again so again we're just thrilled at uh kind of continuing that expansion of the the multiple disciplines and the artisans and to be able to kind of uh, have all that as a unique one-stop shop. We we don't think that there's another organization in the world that uh, can take you from branding through building uh, at the level that, that we can. And, and again, for us, that, that ability to tell stories across that spectrum is just a, a, you know, it has been a really powerful thing for a number of our clients and, and certainly a humbling thing for us to be part of uh, in, in joining their journey and, and uh, getting these stories out.
1: Thanks to Mel for that interview to keep up with what Mel is up to. You can follow him on Facebook and Instagram uh, with his handle at visioneer or visit plainjoestudios.com or storylandstudios.com to see some of the phenomenal spaces uh, they have created and to keep up with current works they are doing.
0: Apply All, where each week we post a question and give you the chance to answer in our Creative Talks group on Facebook. Last week, we asked, what's one movie you loved, but isn't critically acclaimed or loved by the majority of people? You went to our Creative Talks group on Facebook, and here are a few of our favorites in no particular order or reading.
1: Yeah, we had a lot of people bring up stuff like Surf Ninjas, uh, Waterworld, um, Face Off. I think there were just some really great movies that that you can kind of patently see didn't do well at the box office but some people might just have a special connection with them i mean who doesn't want to see john travolta and nicolas cage swap faces i
0: know i do <laughs> To bring back to the Surf Ninjas one, I was literally trying to figure out that movie from when I was a child. One of the guys had posted Surf Ninjas, I was like, oh my God, there it is. That's the movie I've been searching for all my life. And that movie is actually hilarious. And they're right. It doesn't have a very big Rotten Rotten Tomatoes score. What were, what were some of your favorites that you saw listed there?
1: Oh, man. There was uh, the Airborne movie i don't know if you remember that the rollerblading movie starring a very young jack black as jake starkey pointed out one of my favorite lines from that that i will still reference today is the chill bra did he just call you a piece of underwear (laughs) uh
0: one of the ones that i'd like that got mentioned was um otilia carmen had said return to oz which is a pretty good movie but it is not Critically acclaimed. That's right. Um, Sarah Rouse, she said Hot Rod, but I kind of felt Hot Rod was, shouldn't have been represented in the group because I thought Hot Rod was a decent movie and well-loved by many. It seemed
1: to be because I remember uh, when it came out, I didn't see it right when it came out and everybody was like, you haven't seen Hot Rod yet? So what's, what's the Rotten tomato score on Hot Rod? Ooh, let's do that real quick. 41%. Oh, Wow. So, Hot Rod was it is something well, that should be. So, do there. we go by critics or we do? Do we go by audience score? Um, I, I
0: mean, we said in the question it was either critically acclaimed or by okay. the majority of people. Okay. So, what was the what was the
1: audience score? the The audience score was sixty four percent, meaning it got the popcorn bucket on Rotten Tomatoes, meaning it would know, be a good one to see. So, I wonder if it has more to do with just. Andy Samberg being Andy Samberg or, you know, it's merits as an actual movie.
0: I don't know. I, I don't know. I thought, I mean, all of my friends in college and high school, they couldn't get enough of Hot Rod and I never really cared for it. But I mean, what what can I say? I have, I have good taste in movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, uh no. although I
1: do love Andy sandberg in and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Now, come on! Oh, Can't yes. Get on that.
0: Oh, yes. Well, that that's that's an amazing show. Um, uh Harrison Morris had set the DC movies, which you know. I'm sorry, ooh, Harry.
1: Ooh, hot take.
0: Hot take. Huh? He loves I think,
1: it. I think. I think he'll be excited for something that will be coming out with. Yes, in the near future.
0: Yes, he will be. I think he will be too. Um, so Harry Harrison. Uh, I know Miss Harry. Harry but, uh, Harrison
1: is. Did you, Harry know? Oh, okay. know, you know Harry Harrison? I know Miss Harry. Nickname Harry. I know.
0: I know Miss Harry. So Harry, you should keep an eye out for what's coming down the pipeline.
1: So we talked about the strangest places to watch Netflix. So this week's reply all: we want to know where the weirdest place you have watched Netflix.
0: Yes, and a public restroom or the DMV—weird places. But I really want you to think very hard about this. And give us a good, good story on The Weirdest Place You've Ever Watched. Just Netflix.
1: real good insight to your personality as a human being. And, you know, let's let's prompt it a little bit more. Why were you watching Netflix in this place? Ooh, great question. I like that
0: follow-up. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Um, on that note, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap things up. There are a few great ways you can show your appreciation for the Creative Church Podcast. First, subscribe and add us to your favorite podcatcher. We also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com.
1: And you can review the podcast and show us some rating star love on iTunes so we can get more exposure and people can discover this just nugget of wisdom. All the wisdom that we just pack into this episode.
0: So, so much wisdom. Mm. Uh, Lastly, consider sharing this episode on social media. You can also find us on social media by searching our handle creative church. That's one word. CRTV church special thanks to mel mcgowan for joining us today you can check out all that he's doing by following him on instagram at visioneer and by going to our podcast episode page on our website also special thanks to stockhub for sponsoring today's show do us a big favor and go and check them out in the meantime i'm nick goodner i'm ross montgomery and we will see you next episode Thank you for listening to the Creative Church Podcast. Creative Church exists to bring creators together. For more information, visit our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com.
1: It it feels as scandalous as God's grace. (laughs) What the heck are they talking about?